Yo, what is up, everybody? It's time for the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, the keeper of the peace, and I'm joined as always by my co-hosts, my partners in crime, my brothers from other mothers, Jim Cross, Randy Jowers. Guys, tonight's episode 23 titled Tiger's Blood. We got a, a big time University of Memphis prospect coming. He is a Hernando High School star. Um, we're going to be talking to Reed Flanagan tonight, but guys, I, I got to ask you, Jim, I'll start with you. The weather outside is frightful, but is that fire so delightful? <laughs> Man, I am one of the few people that enjoys this because, you know, the kids get to play out in the snow. I get to take my snow dog out in the snow and Man, I'm good with it all. And I mean, I'm inside where it's warm. So all these people talking about, I can't deal, I can't deal with well, them, just stay inside. Man, I, I saw the pictures on, on, on socials, man. That poor dog. It's a good thing. I mean, for 40 years, this hasn't happened in Memphis in 40 years, and it probably won't ever happen again in your lifetime. And that that poor dog is just the, this is the one time he gets to live it up. It's like, you know, James Harden going down to Atlanta. Well, the thing is, he I wants to run, he wants to take off and run so bad, and I want to just let him off the leash. But Daniel, I'm afraid he might never come back. He probably won't. But Randy, man, I, I feel even worse for you because you stuck with all them kids, bro, all of them. Look, man, it's been great. You know, we've been uh, we got on the left right center card game. We've been having Mario Kart tournaments. And my wife, shout out to her, she's the best Mario Kart player I've ever seen in my life. Who does she play with? Toad? A toad, bro. How'd you know? <laughs> I'm Koopa Troopa. And uh, I, you know, I get a couple wins here and there, but really she's been she been doing work, bro. Hey, man, you better step your game up. But guys, let's let's heat up a little bit. Let's bring on to the show with the biggest interview in podcasting this week. Hernando High School football star and University of Memphis football commit Reed Flanagan. <laughs> How we doing tonight? What's up? What's up? I'm doing good. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. No problem. Are you staying warm? Is it cold where you're at? I'm trying to. Trying to stay warm. It's pretty chilly. I got you. So, you know, take me back. Let let our listeners know where are you from? What school did you go to? Like, like, tell me everything. I want to know about family, brother and sisters. Give me it all. Yeah, I got you. I got you. All right. I was uh I was born in Starville, Mississippi. Uh lived there for a few years and then I actually came up. To Memphis, lived in the Carryville area until uh, I was about five, and then moved uh, down here to Hernando, Mississippi. All right, so so you know, I hear about Hernando in the eyes of of Jim Cross, but I want to hear about Hernando as a little guy, Reed Flanagan, growing up, you know, born and raised. Who are you living with? Like, is family life good? You got brothers and sisters. What's up? Yeah, Hernando. Hernando's a great town. I mean. I 10 out of 10 recommend it for any family looking for somewhere to live. Uh, we got best education system uh, from kindergarten to 12th grade. And uh, it's just a great, it's just a great area to be in. And I live with my family. I got one sister, one little sister who 
I mean, me and her are real close. Uh, you know, we we should have a room right beside each other, and we talk all the time about everything. And she, she she's one of my best friends, just to talk to. And uh, but yeah, my my parents they um they've been with me every step of the way, and uh, I give thanks to them just for everything they've done for me. But yeah, Hernando's great. So you know, talk to me about your your relationship with your sister. So I have an older sister. She's two years older than I am. And we, we weren't close until high school, man was, yeah, I, I don't know what it is. It may be just brothers and sisters fighting and just, just bickering and just, you know, but as soon as we hit high school, it was like a switch turn and we were like super close, but, you know, I ask you growing up with your sister, you know, she's the younger sibling. Was it a close relationship or is it something that took some time for you guys to, to really mature into? You know, uh, we definitely have, you know, have our moments of bickering and stuff, but, you know, like every other siblings do, but uh, me and her have stayed close throughout the years. I mean, it's good to have somebody in the family, I think, to talk to that that isn't, you know, an adult. I, I just like talking to her about everyday life. You know, I ever since I've been able to drive, you know, every morning I take her to school. The middle school is right by the high school in Hernando. So I take her to school every morning. You know, we kind of, we have a bond that, I mean, it's been there our whole life. So so being so young, does, does she shoot you straight? She t- she she puts you in place. Check yeah, you a she, little bit. Yeah, she she puts me in my place. I mean, I, I've always, she's always kept me in check because I I know that she looked up to me, so I want to set a good example for her. And uh, right. everybody she's around. So so talk to me about football, man. What was football your only sport growing up, or or were you a multi-sport athlete? Yeah, growing up it was it was all three. I mean, even now I, I can't I can't even say that football is my favorite. It's just whatever's in season. You know, pretty much I play. I played baseball, basketball, and football growing up. I, I stopped playing basketball my 10th grade year just to focus on baseball and football. But, uh, yeah, I love all three pretty much equally. Uh, Man, that's music to Daniel's ears. I'm telling you right now. Yeah, so so living in Florida, you get a lot of these folks that are that are – you know, they believe that they have to specialize in one sport to really be great. But I, I, I'm an advocate of playing multiple school, multiple sports because I believe it prepares you for all the things that you might encounter. But, you know, down here in Florida, you just don't see it enough. You got, you know, helicopter parents who are all over their kid wanting to live out their dreams through their kid and they push hard, man. So, you know, I'll, I'll ask you, were your parents a big on pushing you in any one direction or it was just whatever you wanted to do they they were supportive of it yeah my, my dad always taught me like just play whatever you want to play like it's not he did he never wanted me to focus on one he he put he's always been an advocate of you know uh the multi-sport athletes they're always the best athletes um and that, that's what i think too so if i was to ask anybody outside your inner circle that knows you and i said you know well what what sport is reed better at what what do you think the answer would be <laughs> the answer would probably be football just because i've gotten all the uh you know feedback and you know the memphis stuff and everything with football so what about you what do you think um personally i like i like baseball and football probably about the same so growing up who who did you play football for as a kid and and Talked to me about each team that you played with up until high school, who you're playing with now. All right. So whenever I was, uh, I started playing when I was about seven years old. Uh, we kind of had like a flag football league. I played that for a year. And uh, we have we have just a league in Hernando that I've been playing on. I played in until I was in seventh grade. 
and it's called it's called Haifa, and uh, you know, there's they have like blue tigers, green tigers, white tigers, black tigers, and uh, I just played, and you know, some dads on the teams were coaches. My my dad was a coach for a few years with us, and uh, you know, growing up, I, I played, I started tackle when I was eight years old, and uh, I mean, and I, I wasn't a, I was always one of the better players on the field, but it, it didn't really like, it didn't really get good for me until I was in high school, just because that, that's when my size came and, you know, speed and all that. But in middle school, uh, I played receiver over there at Hernando Middle School, and then that just transitioned right into high school. Speaking of high school, man, for those that don't know, you went to Hernando High School. Tell us a little bit about that. Big school, small school, what's it like? Yeah, uh, Hernando's a 6A school. We're, we're a pretty big school. Uh, we could probably got about uh, – say 1500 students uh we're pr pretty pretty decent sized school uh but to walk you through like my high school career as a football player um I started out as a freshman we have a freshman team a JV team and a, a varsity team and as a freshman not 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 many freshmen ever really play varsity and uh and I, I don't know if I, if I really would have because the first I, I played one game of ninth grade ball and I tore my ACL in the first game uh, when I was in ninth grade. So, so that, that kind of knocked me out the whole year uh, in that aspect. And then once I got to 10th grade, that, that's when I got bumped up to varsity and I, I never really looked back from there. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just a pretty big school, 6A, right? You, you the big man on campus, you pretty popular guy. I mean, what's it like for you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm kidding. I'm pretty popular guy. I mean, you know, being the football and baseball guy, it's just kind of natural. I mean, it just kind of comes with the package, you know. So I imagine just like some – I don't even know if you've seen your, your age group, but like Varsity Blues, you like walking around the Kroger, everybody's like, hey, what's up, Reed, Reed, what's up, man, giving you like yeah. their firstborn child and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty – it's crazy. I mean, because I feel – I mean, Hernando, even though we're a pretty big school, I mean, I feel like it's a small town. And, you know, I, I know I know a lot of people around town. And, you know, when I, when I go out in public, I mean, I feel like I know a lot of people. You like a little I, celebrity? I heard, yeah, I heard Reed was the most popular Corona baby name. <laughs> I don't know. Was it? I didn't hear that. So let's talk about grades a little bit. So I mean, obviously, you know, we got good grades, average grades. I mean, are they matching your 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 athletic abilities? Yeah, I've always uh, prided myself on making good grades. You know, my parents have always pushed me to make grades. So uh, yeah, I'm a I'm an all A student. All A's. That's what I like to hear. Definitely, definitely. Okay, you said you stopped playing basketball your tenth grade year, but I want to talk about that for a second, man. Were you a hooper? Yeah, I was. I was a hooper. Uh, I, I played down low just because I was always the tallest kid on the on the court. But you know, I was a hooper. Yeah. So you, you know, how tall were you your sophomore year when you stopped playing? My sophomore year, I was about six two. Six yeah. two. Okay, you banging down low. That's what you like. Yeah, I, I was. I was the board guy. I'd probably, I did like twenty boards. So you had a shot, a little stroke. Yeah, I'd I shoot some on the occasion, but you know, not, not much playing down low. You knew where you knew where the bread was buttered. I see, I see. Yeah. I was the same way. So, all right, talk us through. You just kind of walked us through a little bit. You know, your freshman year, you tore your ACL. Sophomore, you get bumped up to varsity. Walk us through kind of each season. What what stood out to you? What was a highlight for you? A highlight moment? A highlight season? Yeah, y'all are gonna think this is kind of crazy, but I, I didn't really uh, play receiver in high school until my senior year, till this year. Um, my sophomore and junior year, I was I was mainly a defensive player. I got I broke my arm my sophomore year, and I played I played in a cast, uh, and so 
like at the start of sophomore year. Oh, hold up, think, like Patrick Willis style cast. You was like, oh, yeah, Patrick Willis, yeah, Patrick Willis style. So I, I broke my arm uh, second game of the season, and I was gonna sit out, and you know I was kind of all bummed out, to, you know, to miss part of the season. And the defensive coordinator came up to me and he was like, "Hey, you want to play some outside linebacker?" And I was like, "Sure." And I threw a club on my arm, and uh, I played that for my whole sophomore year. No, I'm not surprised by that because I looked you up, man, and I don't know if this is true or not, but Max Preps had six fumbles caused and six fumble recoveries. Were those all the yeah. same? Yeah, yeah. No, uh, I don't know if it was all the same, but I, I do. Yeah, I recovered. I forced a bunch of fumbles that year. Yeah. I mean, you just get well, – it's because you were beating them with the cast, huh? Yeah, yeah. Before every game, I had to go to the uh, to the ref and, like, they had to test it to make sure it wasn't, like, too hard. They had to, you know. Well, here's the thing, Randy. Here's the thing about Max Preps, and it got me confused in the beginning. I see he gets recruited as a receiver, and they still got him listed as a defensive player only. That's what threw me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our defensive, our defensive coordinator was the guy who was actually in charge of most of our max prep stuff. So I'm sure my name was like spelled wrong, and I had, you know, uh, outside linebacker listed on there and safety and stuff like that because that, that's what I played. Hold on, now, hold on. The Coach Silverfield knows what he's getting, right? Oh, yeah, he, I think I think he knows what he's getting. Hey, that defense oh, okay. could use your help too, cuz. Hey, don't but you know, out. you know what else he plays though? Look, the Oxford coach uh, referred to him as the quarterback after they played in the playoffs in his interview. Hey, a man of many talents. Man, we go. I'm, I'm gonna tune in on ESPN next year. Reed's gonna be kicking field goals. Watch. <laughs> I was I was the placeholder though. I was, I was, yeah, yeah. So. I'm guessing by the kind of the way you're talking, your best individual season for you, you think it's your senior year? Oh yeah, for sure. That that's, that's the money year. That's why I'm like in this situation today with Memphis and all that because even my junior year, uh, you know, I, I started outside linebacker uh, every every game that year, and I was I played receiver, but it was kind of like like I, I just swapped in and out. I really wasn't like the set starter. Not, not because I wasn't good enough. It's really just because I played defense so much. We, we didn't have too many guys that played both ways. And uh, I, I call, I think I caught I call two touchdowns my junior year, one out of the tight end position and one out of, like, playing out wide. But, um, yeah, my, my senior season is what set, set up all my future and everything for me. So let me get that. Maybe this is what got you. And tell me if these stats are wrong. I seen you as athlete of the week by one publication after playing South Panola. Everybody that's from anywhere around here knows the tradition of South Panola. Maybe they're not, you know, what they used to be when they won like 187 games in a row, but still strong. Seven catches, 158 yards. Talk us through what that was like. Yeah, okay, that was uh, that was crazy. And that actually, that South Panola matchup was kind of turned into a rivalry this year because we ended up playing them later in the playoffs, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But, but uh, yeah, that, that, that was week one when I won that athlete of the week. Um, yeah, that, that was crazy. We so we scheduled them, I think like two or three weeks before our season started. We and our coach, you know, he, he thought we had a good squad. He wanted to test us off the rip. And he said, All right, we're gonna schedule number two team preseason in the state. And uh, and, you know, we were all hyped for it, and you know, that, that's what you want to that's what that's the games you play for. And uh I, I had a I had a breakout game, I think like my third catch or something was like a 70 yard touchdown. And um yeah, I, that's what got me the athlete of the week. Well, that's what's up, man. So tell me, I got to ask you this. You know, obviously the tight end position is a lot more sexy than it used to be, right? With guys like uh, Kelsey and Kittle and Ertz. There's just a lot of guys. So any of those guys, do you model your game after, or you just want to be you? Uh, yeah, I really just want to be me. But if I had to like say who I play like the most, it'd be it'd be Travis Kelsey because I'm I'm a receiving first tight end. You know, I, I'm a. I, I mean, I, I'm willing to get down there. And, 
you know, make a block or two. But uh, I'm, a, I'm a receiving first guy. Yeah, so the boys and I were talking about this after the Super Bowl. You know, everybody kind of said, oh, man, had a bad game. You look up, and he's got, like, 12 catches for 180 yards or something. Oh, yeah. I mean, any tight end would kill for that. You know, Tony Gonzalez kind of started that trend with KC, but, you know, Kelsey's definitely, in my opinion, for my money, he's the best tight end in the game, maybe one of the best ever. The thing that stood out to me the most, we talked about as well, was that him and Rob Gronkowski, both great, are the exact same age. We're like, two months apart, and everybody's like, Rob Gronkowski's retired, like, damn near. He's on the end of his deathbed, yeah. right? So, um, but I'm going to ask you one more thing. I'm going to pass you off to Jim, man. So talk us through that recruiting class. Memphis, you know, uh, you, you may, I don't know if you kind of followed them a long time before you went there, but they've gone through some tough times, man. Recently, recent history, they've had a lot of success from Fuente to Norvell. Now with Ryan Silverfield, they've gotten it right three times in a row. So talk us through what it was like to get recruited by them and what it was like to commit. Yeah, all right. So so my sophomore year, um, they they actually – were one of the first schools to actually come to the school and talk to me in person. Uh, the running backs coach is the, is the recruiting coordinator for this area. And he, he came to the school my sophomore year, and he, he was just like, hey, man, we're looking at you. Um, and then that was when he told me that they're looking at me as tight end because they, they knew my body and that they knew I could play receiver and stuff like that. But um, he was just telling me, you know, like, keep your grades up, stuff like that. So that's kind of when the recruiting process started. And we, we were in touch uh, here and there. Uh, up until my senior year, and then, you know, after I put up a couple games, that's when they, that's when the recruitment really started. So, Reed, I had to look it up. You know, so Cutcliffe, the coach, it, he said at Oxford, he said we uh, we played a very talented team. They're offensively at quarterback. Reed Flanagan is just a fantastic player who knows how to make plays. And so, I think you probably had such an impact in that game. I think you had like nine catches, hundred some odd yards, and two touchdowns. I think you were on his mind that he just he even put you at the quarterback position. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't play any quarterback that game, but he might he might have been talking about our quarterback. Our quarterback now is a stud for sure, and he, you know, he, he's a lot. He's a lot of the reason, you know, for my success. I couldn't do it without him. He's a beast. Man, what's his name? Shout him out. His name. All right, his name's Zach Wilkie, and he. Uh, Y'all be hearing about him, I promise you. He, he might be getting a Memphis offer soon, and he, he just got a Southern Miss offer a few days ago. Oh, that's what's up. All yeah. right, so moving on to talking about what's what's going to happen in the future with Memphis. First of all, have you been building relationships with the uh, coaches or any of the players that are currently there? Oh, yeah. Um, so so my, my tight ends coach, his name's Coach Glidden. Um, me and him have been in touch since this past summer. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been harder just because we, we weren't allowed to – like as a recruit, we weren't allowed to go to the campus and see any of these guys in person, uh, just because of COVID and all that. But you know, with FaceTime and all that, I, I've gotten you know to know all the coaches real well, uh, and we've kind of had a connection with that. And uh, player-wise, you know, I, I don't, I don't know many of the players that are there now, like on a personal level. You know, I know of them, and I obviously watch the games and stuff like that. But uh, th there's a there's a few guys that are in my class that you know I've, I've become friends with. You know. Uh, Few of them I played on the All Star game. I went to the Mississippi uh, All Star game, North South game, and uh, I think an offensive lineman and another receiver were both on the team with me who were going to Memphis. Nice. So you're already building some relationships with coaches and players. We might have to, you know, we had Brady White on here. We might uh, have to message him and be like, next time you're in town, we need you to throw to this kid, man. He's the real deal. Let y'all connect. We'll make a little mixtape. Oh, yeah. He's a beast. Yeah, he's awesome. So do the coaches already have some sort of, you know, workout regimen for you to do, or is there something that you're doing on your own already to get ready for next season? 
Oh yeah. So the day the day I signed, um, they their uh, strength and conditioning coach he sent me workouts to do. I think it's a three day three day a week workout. You know, we got so some heavy lifts to get in three days a week, and then some conditioning and stuff along with that. So that that's kind of preparing for the season. And I, you know, we we do stuff in the weight room too with baseball. So I, I've just been doing a like that mixed with the baseball workouts, kind of helping me prepare. Gotcha. And so do you have any goals or expectations, you know, going into that first season? Some some people don't, some people do, you know, they, they list them up on what they may want to do. Do you have anything that you kind of want to strive for in that first season? Yeah, I mean, in that first season, you know, I know I know it's going to be a, a challenge just because I'm going to be the, on the bottom of the totem pole, but I, I just want to, you know, make an impact and, you know, uh, just just show my worth and be, be a part of the team and and uh, do whatever I can to help help out the team because I know I know I can. I mean, it's got to be exciting going to a team that is an offensive juggernaut, right? When you're an offensive player, like you get excited to be a part of that. Oh yeah, yeah. Their offense, I, I just love the way they run their offense. That was one of the main reasons, you know, like I was so interested in Memphis because I, I just love I love their offensive coordinator, I love the tight ends coach and all their coaching staff and just the way they run their offense. It's awesome. All right, so here's the question, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna look. Look at you to look deep down within yourself and be honest on here. What is the one thing you need to improve upon the most going into college? One thing I need to improve upon. Um, one thing I personally I like to work on a lot is my route running. Uh, you know, I obviously, a lot of the catches I made, I, I, I like mossed on people, you know, I, and I, it, w- it wasn't really like I was just like breakaway open or something like that. So I, I just want to like work on my route running because I think if I can perfect that, you know, I can be the total package. Yeah, it wasn't hard to find photos of you for the advertisement for this podcast. That that Moss picture came up immediately, and the fact that that was in the playoffs was even better. You made that dude look like he was in middle school the way you were over <laughs> the top of him like that. That's funny. Yeah, that, that was a that was definitely one of my better games, even though we, we came out short in that one. But, yeah. All right, so the last question, I asked you what you need to prove on, but what is the – most valuable thing you feel like you were specifically bringing to this team? Uh, I, I feel like I'm bringing, you know, just heart. Like, I, I just know, I just know that I, that I want to make this team better in any way I can. And I don't care how I do it. I mean, whether it's, you know, like special teams or anything, start tight end, start receiver, you know, I, I feel like I'm a versatile player that can do whatever they need me to do. Yeah, that's what I like to hear because going into next season, I want to know that the guys that are on the field for my team, and I say my team, I've never even played a single down of football at the University of Memphis, but if you're from Memphis and you're a fan, you always consider them your team. So I will say that I want guys like you. I want guys with your mentality. I want hard workers, and I want guys that respect the game and play the game the right way. And it sounds like, man, like you you are top-notch. You are all of those things. So, you know, looking forward to, to seeing you next year um, before, you know, we jump into a little game and, and have a little fun. Just, just talk me through what, what are you doing right now? Currently, are you working out? Are you eating? Are you trying to put weight on? Are you trying to get faster? What is it that you're doing right now? Because I feel like in, in, in just a, a couple months time, you're going to be, you know, strapping those pads on and, and getting to work with, with, with men. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, and I, I know like right now I'm probably 
like my, my goal weight is probably around 230, 235. So I'm definitely trying to put on weight. I'm working out, you know, as much as I can every day, every other day. And I'm work, I'm, uh, I'm eating as much as I possibly can. That, that's the main thing. That's the main thing my high school coach told me. Me too. The Memphis coaches told me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, because that, that's what I need to do. I, I need to put on weight just so I can, you know, hold my own against those, those guys. That's good to hear, man. So live in that weight room, enjoy it. But hey, hey Daniel, he can meet he can meet me in a Hernando gym anytime he wants. I will I will I don't know how to get skinny, but I do know how to get big. <laughs> yeah, I need go, your on, go on and get your bench press on and your squat on and all that good stuff. But um before we let you run, let's play a little game. You down to play? Oh yeah, for sure. Let's go. All right, it's called this or that. I'm gonna give you two options. All you gotta do is pick one. The only rules are you can't say both and you can't say neither. All right. We'll start. We'll start easy and then we'll build our way in, in, into some big ones. So the first one, the weather. If you're playing a football game, would you rather be hot or cold? Hot, for sure. Hot. Why? Like, I, I feel like I'd rather be cold and I could throw layers on and like you guys don't. Uh -huh. Don't play like when you get to Memphis, y'all gonna have heated benches and it's gonna be warm over there. You're gonna have jackets. Y'all gonna it's gonna be real deal. So seriously, you'd rather it be hot? I've I've always been a hot weather guy. You know, I, I just the, the cold kind of just irks me. I, I just I love I love the hot. I love playing all sports in the hot. All right. So the next question, and it might might make you a little uncomfortable, which is good. So if if you're going or searching for a date. Are you are you finding biddies on Snapchat or on Insta? Mm. I'm gonna go with Snapchat. Snapchat's kind of the new thing, so yeah. So so what what is it? You 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 doing your filters on Snapchat or you just like it because it goes away? <laughs> Both. I, I like I like it because it goes away. My man. Yeah. yeah. All right. So if you're going on a date, let's say you find that biddy on on Snapchat, then. You, you want to ask that biddy out on a date. Are you doing it face to face or are you sliding into the DMs? Oh no, I'm definitely a face to face guy. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm more face to face than uh, social media for sure. That that's my thing. I got you. So I'll say this, every, every female that we've interviewed, we've had a bunch on, they all say the same thing. I want to be courted. I want the guy to come talk to me face to face. So, um, you know, it might be a little difficult with a mask on these days, but I, I think I think you're a pretty pretty personable. But, but guy. you know what, Daniel? I'm feeling it. the swagger off of him. He's a good looking kid. I would do face to face too. Hey, that's what that's that's what they want. So that's what you got to do, man. So and not to mention, I was down in Hernando a few weeks ago. Ain't a lot of masks being worn. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. All right. So so now you. You found that bitty. You took them on a date. So now the follow-up. Are you texting them or are you calling them? Uh, I, I might shoot them a text before the call. But, yeah, I, I like I like calling them. Calling them. Call them. Right. It gets more done. I'm not, I'm not a good texter. So they never – sometimes I don't understand what I'm trying to say. All right, so so let's say the date went well. And, and so you're getting ready to text them. What, what does that text say? Uh, hey. Yo. <laughs> Yo, what you what you think? Well, you know they talk in abbreviations. It's gonna be just letters, Daniel. Fr, yeah, fr. Maybe throw an emoji in there, you know, just to keep them on their toes. Hey. I got you. So, um, I was watching a Super Bowl, and you know, I I saw a bunch of Mick Ultra commercials, and the commercial says, "Do you win because you're happy, or are you happy because you win?" So I asked you that question. 
Do you win because you're happy or are you happy because you win? No, I'm not. I'm not satisfied with just being happy. I, I think I, I'm happy because I win because I, I don't like losing. All right. I, I can appreciate that. So the last question, I'll take you off the hot seat after this one. This is the money question. All right. Would you rather have friends or would you rather have money? Friends, friendships, friendships, everything. Uh, I don't value, I don't value money as everything. Uh, I think relationships is, is where it's at. Well, Randy wants to educate you real quick. Reed, my guy, you know, I'm gonna let you, I'm gonna let you have it for now. Cause you do think that, but I hope, I know your parents, you'd sound like you've been raised by some great people and I hope they've told you this. I think Jim even mentioned it yesterday in our group chat. You're going to be able to look around you in 15, 20 years and you're old like we are. And the, your group that surrounds you right now, it may be five of them left. So, you know what ain't going to betray you, dog? Money. It's going to be there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm starting to learn now. I'm starting to learn slowly. When you, hey, hey, I'm going to tell you this. When you make Reed, it to the league, we're, we're going to wrap up bus, with you. I want to, I want to thank you for being on the show. I appreciate your time and we wish you nothing but the best next season. Before we cut you out, anything you want to plug or promote, social media, where the biddies can find you, you name it, anything that you're passionate about? What, uh, what, no, what do you just, want to put out there, man? Just thank you all for having me. You know, uh, I enjoyed it, and uh, I enjoyed the season, and I'm looking forward to the future. You can follow me on Instagram, replaying at 17 if you want. But, uh, yeah, thank you all for having me. Yeah, man. Get it. Get it. Go get it. Good luck. Hey, that's Reed Flanagan, everybody. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk J.J. Watt, Deshaun Watson. We're going to talk to Utah Jazz, Bracketology, SEC Baseball, and so much more. Welcome back to the In Off the Bench podcast. We got some headlines for you. We're going to lead off with NBA. Randy, I'm going to start with you. Anthony Davis, Achilles issue. He, he's going to be out for a little bit. Not sure the severity, but is this is this disastrous for the Lakers? Or are they still one of the favorites to win it all? Yeah, still one of the favorites. I think that if push came to shove, Anthony Davis would still be on the court. This is more out of an abundance of caution. You know, he re-aggravated it, saw some swelling. Uh, that team is deep, and no, nobody is better at LeBron than pacing themselves, and, and they don't care if they're the one seed, the two seed. That, that doesn't really matter to them. As long as they're up there and they get into the playoffs, they can hit another switch. He's proven it time and time again in his career. They did it last year in the bubble. I don't see this being any issue at all. So, and I'll, I'll ask you this, Randy. You know, Anthony Davis is out. KD's going to miss some time. There's a lot of Nets who are constantly missing some time. I just It got me thinking, who's more important to win a championship? KD to the Nets or Anthony Davis to the Lakers? KD to the Nets. I think that the Lakers, I don't know that they could win a championship without AD, but they got a hell of a lot better shot because KD is far and away the best player on that Nets team. Well, on a team of great players. I'm not besmirching Harden or Kyrie. Yeah, I think to your point, Randy, you can lose Harden or Kyrie and be fine. You can't lose KD. Exactly. Absolutely. Speaking of teams that really can't lose, Jim, the power rankings came out for this week, and the Jazz are at the top, man. What are the Jazz doing? Why are they so tough right now? Are they a different team than what we saw um, last year and in the, the bubble uh, for postseason? And if so, what is the, the difference maker? Okay, so a couple weeks ago when we were talking about the Lakers and the things they were doing right, we were talking about their defense and the point differential. Well, they have been passed by the Jazz with the uh, 
only allowing 105.7 points per game, which is the best, and they have the best point differential at 9.2. So the good teams, that's how they're doing it. They're playing defense. Um, they're forcing a lot of turnovers. Rudy Gobert is doing what he always does. You know, he averages only 14 points a game, but 13 and a half rebounds, three blocks a game, just control in the middle. Mitchell has done what he does, but I think a, a big time thing that we always talk about, you know, three point shooting over this stretch of 15 games where they've played the way they've played Bogdanovich is shooting almost 50% from three. And it's not like he just takes one or two a game. So that's a big deal. They're playing defense They're knocking down shots. They got a, bona fide star in in Mitchell and they got depth. So I mean they're a really good team. Do I think they can beat the Lakers? The answer is still no. But are they a team that's going to be there possibly in the Western Conference Finals? Absolutely. Would you want to see them in the in the finals? No, no. because defense is boring. <laughs> defense is boring, right, Randy? Well uh, you know I think to kind of piggyback on what Jim said, they are doing it on the defensive end they remind me a lot of the Grizzlies teams from a couple years ago and the Hawks teams when they got five, six, seven guys deep. One player that goes underrated on that team is Royce O'Neal. Every time they play a game against Giannis or, you know, Ben Simmons or Jimmy Butler, he's the guy checking them. Uh, so he doesn't have the stats, but he's their Tony Allen. He's the guy checking up the best defender, the Kevin Durant. Uh, Mike Conley's a great leader. Donovan is a young budding star, but to Jim's point, they're doing on the defensive end. Ain't nobody trying to see that shit, though. And do you know who that one loss was to in this 15-16 game stretch? The Knicks. No, it was the Nuggets who were a team of concern, you know. Not I mean just cuz they lost one doesn't mean anything, but that's one of the teams that's going to be contending up there in the top with them. But I think to answer your other question Daniel, I mean, I think we still want to see the battle for LA. So I think any other matchup in the West would be disappointing except for of course if your Grizzlies made it. But outside of that, we want to see that battle in LA. Yeah, I think Memphis seems like the only only city that can appreciate defensive wins and and winning a championship because they're beating folks ass on the defensive side. And, you know, Randy, that brings me to a good point, man. The the Grizz went on a a West Coast swing. They had two backs. I don't know if it was two back to back, but they played the Lakers. They got up 20. I don't know if they should have won the game. I mean, when you get up 20 against LeBron, I mean, that's. That's not the same as going up 20 against other teams, but, you know, he did some flippity floppity, flippity, <laughs> flippity dippity doppities. And then, you know, they end up losing the game, but they bounce back and beat Sacramento. So um, one and one on the West coast are the, the Grizz still where we thought they would be, or are they getting any better or we're just trying to hold ground until we get everybody back. Yeah. The one thing in the Lakers game, they, they you come out strong, which is great. You know, there's, I think it was like 22 to 2 or 20 to 2, and that's all fine and well. Um, there were a lot of questionable calls, but that's not what lost the game for them. They, you know, the best players doing what they do. Anthony Davis and LeBron James took over, got some uh, great shots from their bench, and the Grizzlies just fell apart and didn't play defense when they needed to. LeBron absolutely took over in the third and fourth quarter and did things that the best player in the world does. Uh, what is really uh, promising about this Grizzlies game is to come back after a game like that and not just beat the Kings, but dominate the Kings uh, in a way that that's an up and coming team too. They got a lot of great talent. You know, one of Jim's favorite players, De'Aaron Fox, his, he averages his most points against any team against the Grizzlies and uh, they dominated them and they did it because I'm going to tell you why. Brandon Clark, ladies and gentlemen, BC in the house. BC. N- need us 
do we need to go back and and recap that episode where I didn't have a favorite favorite player and now I do? Now you do, and now it's solidified. Yeah, I mean, hence the reason. I mean, he's he's making his presence felt, well known. Um, you know, Jim, I'll, I have to ask you, you know, because it's it's your guy. Talk to me about Russ. I know he he had a decent game tonight. Uh, they they ended up beating the Rockets. So, you know what what's going on in the world of the Wizards? Well, I tell you what, if you're not gonna be as good as you normally are. And if you're going to be on a team that's not very good and you're going to be a part of only four of their eight wins, then at least let those wins be twice against Brooklyn, once against Houston, and then Boston. So first of all, three really good wins and then beating the team that you left. So if you're going to lose every other game, right, those are the ones to win and show up for. It makes me almost – it kind of reminds me, Randy, you know how Marshawn Lattimore always shows up whenever he's playing somebody he has a problem with and it's usually a big-time player? Like, Russ at this point in his career, because he just doesn't have the juice anymore, it seems like he's just not what he was. But when they do play somebody that he has something against – because remember, John Wall and him went back and forth, and so then he plays well tonight. So I guess that's the only thing I can hang on to. Look for big games against people he don't like. So I guess I'll look forward to when they play Philly because he don't like Embiid. Other than that, Daniel, the Bill's the only good player on that team. And I, and I say that not as a slight at Russ or any of those guys, but they're just not good. And Russ is maybe one out of every four games good, which really just hurts my heart. But beating Houston, throwing up another triple-double, good for him. Yeah, I mean, he's always good for a triple-double, but somehow it amazes me how he can have such good games and they lose. Well, the triple-double stat, he was winning at an 82% clip before he got to Washington and started throwing them up. But I will say this in regards to triple-doubles. You know, you could throw the rebound stats out, right, and you say those stat pattern, whatever. What you can't discredit is any game where he has 16 assists because that's ultimately what you want from the guys for him to be a team player. Absolutely. Speaking of, of team players, let's transition to the NFL. We got two guys that are headed out of Houston. Well, we got one guy, J.J. Watt, who is definitely headed out. Deshaun Watson is wanting to head out, but there's no – I have no idea what the talk is or where he's going or who he could be going to. But, Jim, let's start with J.J. He's released. Where does he go? Okay, so I did thorough research on this, and – Numerous different sources, you know, like you said, don't definitively have a great idea, but the teams with the cap space or that would be looking to pursue, they all have something in common. They're all contenders, right? And at this point in his career, just like any other guy who doesn't have uh, a championship, that would be something he'd want. So the first team mentioned on everything I see is the Steelers. And the reason that's significant is not only do they predicate themselves on defense, but getting to play with his brother. That's cool. Brothers. Brothers. Yeah. yeah, so I just think about the one because he's such a savage. But, yeah. yes, to your point. And so, for me, I actually root for that one just because I want to see it. The one that I don't like on this list is the Bucks because they say they could use them, keep ring chasing. The Browns are actually on this list because they need that and they have the cap space. Buffalo as well. Um, one of the most intriguing ones is Green Bay because they have the availability. They need that spot covered, and there could be one step away still. He's a and Wisconsin then, boy. Right, and he played at Wisconsin. The last one, this is the one I hate. I saved it for last. 
He has made it clear how much he loves the state of Texas and he loves the people there. Bring it. The Cowboys need it. And if they can figure out the Prescott situation and maneuver a few other things, I looked at it, they can easily afford this and make it happen. And if you think about J.J. Watt, Dallas is called America's team. When I think of an American type guy, like a guy who just would lay down his life for someone, that's the guy. Absolutely. You know, he fits the Dallas Cowboys defense because he spends more time on the IR than he does on the field. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good, 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 good laugh. Good laugh. All right. Anyways, talk to me about Deshaun, Randy. Where's he going? Is he going to the Cowboys too? Because he spends his time on the, the IR. Oh, man. No, man. You know, yeah, yeah. Overrated quarterbacks. No. But, um, you know, there was, there was, a, there was some pictures taken of him with some Dolphins players. So just leading more credence to that, that seems to be the one getting a lot of the steam. Uh, the thing about it is at the end of the day, uh, Deshaun, everybody thinks that Deshaun's got all the leverage, but he really doesn't. I mean, he signed a mega contract um, and the Texans are steadfast in the fact that they're not interested. They have zero interest. They're not listening to offers. Obviously we know that a lot of that is just them grandstanding because they don't want it. They want to have the leverage. Uh, and it'll probably get a deal done as they release in J.J. Watt. At this time, man, that's a tough one because you're really just signifying that the rebuild is on. And why do you want to have a franchise quarterback when you're going through a rebuild? Um, it's pretty clear to me that it's going to be a Dolphin. He's got a no-trade clause, too. So it's just this is one of the most intriguing quarterback, you know, what holdouts that we've seen in recent history. But I think if I had to put my money on any team, I think it's still the Dolphins, although I don't think – him going to the Dolphins makes them a contender. I think they're a good team. Does he take them over the top? I don't know. And Randy, let me ask you, because, you know, the Jets right now kind of hold the title for just the worst managed team. But when you look back all the way back to when they had Carr and they wouldn't get an offensive line to protect the guy, and then you look at the way that they did with Hopkins and now J.J. and now Deshaun, could you make an easy case that this is like the worst run organization ever? Well, it's 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 got to be right up there, if not at the top, because, I mean, this is uh, I mean, you think about this just back a year or two ago, uh, the Colts were going through a, a year of transition when Andrew Luck was out. The Titans were kind of down. They were they had Mariota at quarterback. That was the Texans time and they could not capitalize. And now you're two years later, the Colts and the Titans have gotten right back to the top and the Texans are at the bottom with the Jaguars. So, yeah, it's poorly run. Speaking of the Jaguars, Randy, they big blunder on Urban Meyer's part. He hires Chris Doyle amidst a bunch of racist comments that were made when he when he was at Iowa. Why does why does Urban Meyer think he can slide this one in? And how does the approval of this happen? And then it goes back and say, no, 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 we can't do this. What's worse than them saying, no, 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 we can't do this, is that they came out and said, we accepted his resignation. I mean, Urban Meyer, shame on him. You know, so many times in his career has there been shame on him moments. You can't mistake it. He's a great coach. He's won everywhere he's been. Um, I think he's finding out really quick that this is not college. You don't get to just have – I mean, look back. The Zach uh, – I forget his last name now. That was at Ohio State and the wife scandal. Now this – I mean, for him to come out last week and defend this hire and say, we vetted this, I've known this guy for 20 years, and that's why I hired him, after knowing this, these egregious remarks, not once, not twice, but over and over and over again, 
to defend that, man, that's absolutely unacceptable. Cannot happen. Shame on Urban Meyer for, for even defending this. And now he's not even on the front lines when he accepts his resignation. He just released the statements. No, son, you got to get in front of that mic and you got to, hey, this is where the rubber meets the road. You're the head coach. You're taking control of the organization. You got to look at us in the eye and tell us why you did it and what you're going to do to fix it. Well, and and the rubber is going to meet the road when those players show up and they're going to want answers and they they should get answers. And, you know, I, I don't feel bad for them. You know, you can't go around your whole life, you know, doing what you think you want to do. And, and then there's no repercussions. So to your point, these are grown men, professionals, grown men who hold your future in their hands. And so. As the new guy coming in, they don't give a shit what your pedigree looks like coming in. They need to know that you care about them. Hey, so are you saying there's a chance he might have some heart issues soon? Uh, I'm saying there's a very real chance that he will be like, you know what, uh, I'm going to go back to the booth. Thank you. Jim, you know, while we're on this subject, you can talk to me about Trevor Lawrence's pro day. Uh, but you can also chime in on this Chris Doyle situation as well. I mean, y'all y'all pretty much hit on it for the most part. I just don't understand how Urban Meyer with this phenomenal, literally phenomenal of football coach as he is, he is a winner, has made mistakes so many times at different schools and, and now where he's at in the pros. Like, at what point do you learn your lesson, right? Like, the guy can't get out of his own way in that regard. So yeah. – I don't know. I don't root for the guy. I, I do think he's a fantastic coach. There's no doubt. But a lot of the mistakes he's made, I mean, if it catches up with him and it and it ends up messing up his career, it is what it is. He has no one to blame but himself. As far as him and the Trevor Lawrence thing, did see him obviously there for the pro day. And Trevor Lawrence, I mean, we've been talking about the guy for three years now. We've known what he is, what he can be uh, with his arm, his mobility. And he went out there and put on a clinic. No one is surprised even in the in the least. And the way it just kept showing Urban there and, and they were talking to him, I have no doubt in my mind the Jaguars take him. I just I just don't see any other way. Randy, let me ask you this. If Trevor Lawrence, after this pro day, finds out about all the this information about Chris Doyle, what if he came out and said, you know what? I hope the Jags don't take me because I don't want to be associated with anything like that. No, because they don't go to the Jets. <laughs> but <laughs> he does, could uh, does pull he, an Eli Manning. Does he? Well, I, I guess my question is: Does he lose stock because he's not the number one pick at that point? No. Or no. does he gain stock because he's advocating for what's right? Well, I mean, gaining stock and notoriety is all fine and good, but the pin to the pad, my friend, we all know that that number one pick gets paid a little different than the twos and the threes and the fours. Well, where does so. the drop-off happen, Randy? I forgot. Because while they are different, does is it after the top five or is it off the top ten? Where is that? 10 or 12, maybe 12. But, yeah, it's a huge drop-off to your point. And I'm going to go on the record. I'm going to say it right now. I've been a big advocate of Trevor Lawrence for years. I don't think he's a franchise quarterback. Boom, I said it. There it is. Ooh. Okay, if you're going to say a statement like that, why? 
gut check time. I've seen the guy in the biggest moments uh, kind of like fold up like a lawn chair. You know, we, we saw him, you know, as a young kid play a phenomenal. But then we saw him against LSU. If he takes a couple of licks or his receivers, if there's some adversity, I've just uh, – I haven't Ohio seen Ohio State as well. The next yeah, year. Ohio State, the, the, this, this – yeah, like, right, just a few weeks ago, months ago. I just don't know, man. It's something that tells me in my heart, in my gut, that he's just not the guy I want to lead my team for the next 10 to 15 years. Well, let me ask both of y'all then. If you take Lawrence off the board and you look, because there's four or five quarterbacks that may go in the first round, who do you think, just right now, just random, both of y'all, who do you think is the has the brightest future ahead of them? Justin Fields. Brady White. <laughs> I love that's it. That's the that's the right answer, actually. Man, I, I don't know, man. Give me uh give me uh the dude from BYU Wilson. I'm I'm going with it. Yeah, he's really solid. I think that the game has changed. Let me ask y'all this. The game has changed to where I'm not talking about mobile quarterbacks like Michael Vick, Lamar Jackson, but um mobile quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes and and that's kind of the way. Is Trevor Lawrence that guy? Can he get around in an offense? Can he run an RPO in the pros? I mean, the the way he was throwing the ball, he's a stand in the pocket, move up in the pocket kind of kind of passer. He doesn't strike me as a guy that's going to get out and try to run or really want to run unless it's a necessity. But look at this. Okay, because – Look at Joe Burrow, right? In college, he was very mobile, and he was able to evade things. He wasn't able to evade anything in the NFL. So that's it's a different point. game. Now he's really Joe, not able to evade anything. Yeah, and I think lying. that Joe Burrow was a lot more mobile in college than we have ever seen Trevor Lawrence be. Well, and not that I don't mean a running quarterback, because Burrow didn't look to run first. He would wait for it to break down, and then he would take off if he had to. He wasn't trying to juke people. But did did, with the exception of – Two seasons ago, Clemson has always had a pretty high power offense that he could get away from having to do that, especially when you got a guy like Etienne in the backfield that can do it all. I'm not saying that LSU didn't have that, but they had one year where they were really good, and then the year previous to that, they were just good. So Clemson, on the other hand, has been really good. Well, then if that's the case, if you look at the teams he's possibly going to go to, he ain't fixing to have all those uh, playmakers with him. But well, at the end of the day, it's it's pro football, man. Those guys right. are professionals. They're better than any college player that's there. Is it going to change your opinion at all, DB, if the young kid comes in for Clemson? Because we saw him this year, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name, <laughs> and has the same exact success, if not more, if he gets him right back there? No, because – we've seen him have success already. So for him to continue the success, it would just be, Hey, he's now had a full year to be the guy. So uh, no, he I does I, run. Yeah, he, he does. He's, he's not afraid to get out there and run it a little bit. Um, you know, we're talking about running and gunning. Let's, let's go to college basketball guys. Bracketology is, is, becoming ever more prevalent it, it's it's the hot button topic they got brackets they've got ratings they got seeds jim gonzaga right now is the top seed followed by baylor michigan and ohio state does this seem right and will those top four change between now and selection sunday i mean they can always change i think 
the most likely would be Ohio State, especially when you look at the record and then you look at the votes in the rankings of the teams right behind them, Illinois, Houston, um, I would say Virginia, but they took a loss tonight. So I think your top three are almost a lock. So if there is somebody vulnerable, but Gonzaga and Baylor for sure. But Michigan, it's crazy, right? I, I was I was having fun reading about this. Michigan has, if you look not even just year, this year, they have become a full-on basketball school, right? Like a team that used to be dominant in football that now just lets everybody down. Michigan has been solid. And so I know that's not exactly what you asked me, but I had to throw that out there while I was there. But if you were to if you were to ask me right now, yes, those are the four teams. I think the team that could get there is actually the team we wouldn't want to see there because that means they beat Memphis. I think Houston could get there. Well, go going back to your what you were saying about Michigan, I, you're absolutely correct. And I think Memphis fans are really disappointed right now in the fact that they wanted to be what Michigan is. That's exactly what I was going to say. Jawan Howard is what we thought Penny would be already. Yep. And I, and it could still it, it it could easily still come to fruition and things could pan out the way that it's that we thought it would and the way that it it's supposed to uh, with a maybe. guy like Penny. But then again, like maybe not. But uh, Jawan Howard has done it in what less time. I mean, the dude, shout out to him. Underrated uh, to Jim's point. It's kind of quiet, right? Not that they've never been a basketball. That's how school. he was in the Fab Five. He was amazing, but he was the he was the guy behind uh, Weber and Rose when you talked about the the big names. Absolutely. So, Randy, your Vols—they're currently projected as a three seed, um, even with a loss to LSU on Saturday. Do the do the Vols remain a three seed? Do they move up possibly to a two, or do they? You think they hold true to a three, or could they even move down? You know, the more likely scenario is they move down. I think they're probably going to stay right where they're at. They are very – I say very inconsistent. It's not like they have a bad record, but what you can't do is uh, you you can't go on the road and lose to Ole Miss. The LSU, that just seems to be a team that they struggle with the last several years. They got a 35-year-old point guard on their team that just seems to really get up for the Tennessee game. I mean, he's got a faded back hairline like LeBron. So, I mean, you know what I'm saying? He's got the old man game going. And uh, Will Wade can just be on the phone buying recruits at halftime. He still gets the coach. I, I don't really know what's going on down there. But, uh, yeah, LSU's got Tennessee's number. Rick Barnes said it. Um, uh, he, Rick Barnes actually getting a little heat, man, He because people are saying that he is blaming his players and that he's not taking enough responsibility. And I think that's hogwash, man. This dude has been taking responsibility. He is under the impression that people understand the buck stops with him, and it's his job to wake his players up. You got seniors out there in Fulkerson and Ponds that are being inconsistent, getting three or four fouls in the first half when you can't do that, when you're the leaders of the team. And I don't even mean they should be the leading scorers because they shouldn't be, but they are the best defenders on the team. They're the leaders, and they have to be on the court. And a shout-out to Rick Barnes for calling them boys out in the media. Well, and I think what it is is he's speaking truth, and a lot of times people don't want to hear that they want to hear the coach take the blame, but there are instances where the coach puts the best players on the court. They're wide open. The offense runs and you miss shots. You rebound the ball and you miss putbacks. You miss bunnies and you turn the ball over. Like, I don't know how that's coach responsibility as much as it is player. To your point, they had some stupid turnovers, and I say stupid. I, I love my guys, but they had turnovers the other day where they were standing on the baseline and just threw the ball in the backcourt to, to nobody. I mean, so Rick Barnes is like with his hands up in the air. 
he's supposed to take responsibility for that as a coach. Do you think he drew that up? Throw the ball in the backcourt? Hey, like, hold on. Time out. Time out. Time out. Y'all come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Yeah. I, I'll, tell you this, I'll tell you this, Randy. I don't think they fall at all. I was looking at their schedule while y'all were discussing that. And I mean, with South Carolina, Kentucky, Vandy, Auburn left, I mean, they've worked two of those over already. We've seen Auburn just ain't a very good team. Uh, Van- Vandy would be the one team I don't know much about this year, but I don't think they're losing any of these games. I don't either. And, and I think that, too, they really – what they got to get get back to the fundamentals and realize that just because they're not hitting shots doesn't matter. you got to be aggressive and use your athleticism to your advantage. Stop your stupid fouls, stop your stupid turnovers, and you're one of the best ten teams in the country. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like when the year started the way they started, they showed how good they could very well be and how good they actually are. It's possible that when the games start mattering more and more, do you think, Randy, that they're like, all right, now it's time to turn it on. There's there's no, there's no room for error and excuses, or do you – feel like they're going to f- succumb to pressure and go, Hey, like this is do or die. Like we have to win and they just can't, can't match it. No, I think that, you know, when you get into March, that's when your freshmen really aren't freshmen anymore. Right. And then your seniors, you expect that to rise to the top. This may be Fulkerson's last time ever playing, you know, competitive basketball. The guy's not going to the NBA ponds. Maybe he gets a look, maybe he goes overseas, but for these guys, this is their legacy. These were two guys that were on the team with Schofield and Williams and Jordan and bone. And uh, this is their legacy. Can they get there? Can they do more than that team did? Because you remember that team was supposed to be a Final Four team, and they got put out in the Sweet 16. So I think this team has more talent. I'm going to say it again. This team has more talent than that team. But can they put it together? It'll be interesting to watch and find out. You know, Jim, Memphis, on the other hand, has now had two games postponed. It looks like a third is going to be postponed this Thursday. Um you know, it's, it sucks. And currently that they're on the outside looking in, they're not getting the high caliber game that they thought they were going to get that could put them in the conversation. Does these two possibly three postponed games hurt them or can they bounce back from this? Well, the last time they had a break, what it benefited them, right? They came back and played better. And then when you look, yes, they lost that Houston game. And I don't know how the rescheduling is going to work. If they're going to get them in, they're not. Let's say for the sake of the argument, they don't, right? Then you get Temple, Tulane, Cincy, USF all in a row. Teams that you're better than, you should win. You could possibly run off four straight. And then you get the Houston game at home. So, I mean, it could it could work to their advantage. They did well after the break, and then you get the teams that you should beat, and you get to finish with the team that you have to, have to beat at the very end. And Randy always talks about, you know, it's not about early, it's about late, right? And so if you were to beat Houston early in the season, people may not remember. If you finish the season with that, it's going to be remembered. So do you either one of you guys know what the – what the requirements are for coaches to play postponed games. Obviously Memphis is definitely going to be in favor of making up that game with Houston, regardless of whether they win or lose when we play them at home. But Kelvin Sampson, on the other hand, he, he may not be willing to want to make that up unless he has to. So do you guys know the rules on that or, 
do you see Kelvin Sampson being a dick like that and going, no, we're not going to play that, that, that game that was postponed. That was on y'all, not on us. So we're good. Well, while Randy's probably figuring it out, I'll say this. If I was Houston, I wouldn't want to play it to your point. Right now, they are sitting so pretty. The less games, the better if I'm them. I think – I don't know the actual rules, but I think that the AAC would have to step in and tell Kelvin Sampson because you're right, he is – that is a no-win situation for him. And John Calipari said all the time, why am I going to play Tennessee and the Vanderbilt to let them come in a mile? He's got no good reason to play that game against Memphis. If he beats them, I should have. If he loses, it's you know it's dreadful. It knocks them down two or three seeds in the tournament. So, Randy, is it is it possible then that they the conference goes all right? The USF game, USF is is they don't have a chance to make the tournament. Temple, you don't have a chance to make the tournament. Let's let's cancel those games and let's reschedule the Houston game. Is is that a possibility? Man, that'd be tough, right? Because if you're those other schools, I mean, yeah, that's a tough one, man. I don't, I don't know the, I don't know a good answer because, is it all about just making the tournament? And then you could really argue that Memphis may not make it either way. I mean, if that's what you're saying, if you're Houston, right? Or if you're USF, I mean, hey, how do you say they got a chance to make it? The American would want it to happen though because they want the potential of having two teams in, and that's that money. Absolutely, that's where the American would have to step in and say, "Look, this, this we look, need look guys, yeah." But, I mean, at, at the end of this, the conference tournament, if they still have it, to my knowledge, the champion gets an automatic bid. The champion of that tournament gets an automatic bid. So, like, if you're USF or Temple and you are trying to, like, play yourself better into a better seed or a better opportunity to win that tournament, you kind of need those games, especially against a team like Memphis. You, you kind of want to play them, especially when you're USF and you you should have beat Memphis the first time. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we're going we're gonna to be talking a lot of college basketball here in the next couple of weeks because it's going to get interesting. Hopefully, you know, we can get COVID under control and Memphis will hit the court again at some point. But definitely not uh, this week. But hopefully, being optimistic, they'll get back on the floor next week. But, Jim, uh, uh, you asked for it. This is your segment, and I think it, it's only fitting because of all the guys that we've had on this show that we talk SEC baseball because it's, it's about to hit us hot and heavy in, in a couple of weeks. Um, but I, I want to do some predictions just for the SEC because we want to highlight some of those guys and some of those teams that we play on or that we we've had on, but I also want you guys to feel some uncomfortness because you're going to have to go against some of these guys that we love so much. And the guys that, you know, we you enjoyed having and talking to, but Randy, I'll start with you. The East, you got Florida, you got Tennessee, you got Georgia, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, Missouri, or Kentucky who wins. And just tell me what you think the top two teams are in, in, in that, on that side of the conference. Oh, it pains me. It really hurts me to say. I, I don't even want to say it, but I'm going to have to go with Florida. Top to bottom, talent, arms, defense, hitting. I, I got to go with them. Uh, and then I'm throwing out I'm, – I'm giving the Vols. I'm giving them that two. I'm giving them the two. I know a lot of people are going to say Vandy, and I get it. They got arms, but I'm going with Tennessee for the upset. I believe in our guys. Liam, you heard me. Big Cheese, you heard me. Get it, get it. Jim, do you agree with, with that? I have a no. feeling that you don't. 
No, I don't at all. Um, when you're talking about rocker, when you're talking about lighter, when you're talking about Hugh Fisher, you know, I believe pitching wins on whether you're talking about the college or, or pro level. I think Vandy is probably going to outdo Florida, in my personal opinion. It's hard, right, because you said this was going to be tough for us. Talking to those Tennessee boys, you want them to win. I, they were so likable, right? And I've been following them on social media ever since. You know, also got ties to Kyle Booker from D.C., who is a phenomenal player. They have talked about him as uh, going to be an absolute stud freshman. So you want to see Tennessee do well. But I just don't see – you know, Randy did talk about Florida, and they are absolutely stacked top to bottom. I don't see how they can uproot either of those teams. Yeah, I I always say, and I've told you guys, it's starters matter, pitching matters, but it's the overall depth and quality of your full rotation, not just your starters, not just your closers, not just your middle relievers, not just your late relievers. It's everybody. Because in my opinion, the pitching always will outlast the hitting because there's just so many games where you got to hit the ball so well in order to win. And I think pitchers can minimize their amount of work that they have to do and be successful by saying, Hey, I just need you to go out and give me five innings. I need you to go out and give me two innings. I need you to go out and give me one as opposed to a hitter saying, Hey, you're going to get four chances and I need you to capitalize on at least two of those four. And hopefully we have runners in position so that you can maximize a base hit or a home run. But you know, Jim, talking about the the West, you got Ole Miss, you got Bama, you got Texas A&M, Mississippi State, Auburn, LSU, Arkansas. Are you are, are you going to go with with your Cajuns or are you going you going to go outside the box here? Man, I'm going outside the box. First of all, you can just eliminate Bama and A&M and uh, not even talk about any of that. Or our Auburn's, you know, I think they made the top 25, but I still wouldn't even give it too much attention. I want to look at scheduling before I even talk about players, right? And this is something we talked about in the group message. Ole Miss is ranked fourth. But, guys, these guys got to play Florida, and Mississippi State doesn't. They have to go to Mississippi State, who I think is going to be their biggest competition. So those are problems to me. And then Arkansas, right, who's ranked ninth. Guys, listen to this. I have never seen such a difficult schedule in, in any sport of any kind. They go to Mississippi State, to Ole Miss, to LSU, to Tennessee, and they drew Florida as well. So I don't care what the preseason rankings are. Dude, Arkansas doesn't have a chance. There, there's no way you can make it through that gauntlet. They, they might make the regionals and everything, but as far as when we're talking about the SEC West, LSU hosts Mississippi State. Um, they host Bandy. Uh, they're at Ole Miss, at Arkansas, you know, um, decent schedule. I'll tell you this on a note when we talk about our guest, Cade Beloso, fellas, he has moved from first base to the outfield. So, and I heard that. And I was who's, listening. Who's playing first? That's what I want to know. Uh, I'd have to look that up, but I'll tell you this. I, f- I found out a fun fact listening to an interview with him. He played outfield in high school as well as first base. So he knows the ropes. And I love that he's willing to transition. They need his bat, you know, more than anything. So they're finding a way to have him in the lineup. But the two teams are going to be Mississippi State and Ole Miss. But I think Mississippi State is going to be the one. First of all, you know, all about them boys, Cameron James, Josh Hatcher. Um, like I said, they don't play Florida. But they're starting pitching. We were talking about Vanderbilt. 
when you're talking about Bedner, McLeod, Sims, you know, when Cade gets healthy out of the bullpen, they got about three or four arms in there. And then their lineup, man, they're just stacked between James, Hatcher, Skinner, Lane Forsyth, who, you know, we're going to have on at some point, Tanner Allen, Rowdy Jordan. Um, they're legit, man. So I think, I think because of schedule alone, they're going to, they're going to outlast Ole Miss in the West. For for me in the West, give me Ole Miss. Give me Ben Van Cleve <laughs> Sucking for up the for win. Yes, that's right, baby. The lineup yeah. is out uh, for the the first game, which was going to be Friday, more than likely Saturday. He's going to be batting in the seven hole. He said it says DH on there, but he messaged me earlier and said he could be at first base. So we'll see. But nevertheless, he's in that lineup. He's going to do some work. Randy, who you got in the West? I, I got Mississippi State. Uh, taking the West and you know I'm gonna go uh, with Ole Miss as that those top two teams I think it's gonna be a battle for the state of Mississippi um, but man it's so crazy you really and you look down this lineup the SEC could legit send 12 teams to the regionals this, this top, top to bottom I think even if you are Tennessee if you guys are right and they that you know Vandy and Florida at the top you know in Tennessee's third or fourth in the East, they're still going to the regionals. I mean, they're no, still they, gonna, they have I mean, it on the predict. They have it on the predictions. They have Tennessee. They even have Auburn in there. I think that you know Auburn is it's so it's they're so good. Shortened and then the draft was you know less rounds, so talent came back. I mean, I mean you look up and down the SEC, and it's always been you know the king of football, of course, but they're also king of baseball. And I think this might be the deepest that this conference has ever been in baseball. Hey, I got a note for you guys. When we're talking about the quality of baseball, we're talking about the talent, and then we talk about the way COVID has affected things. You know, I'm in all these forums. So all these stadiums are only allowing 25% capacity. Every one of them across the board is sold out. And so I looked online. Man, if you don't know somebody who's got tickets and you ain't got a way, tickets that are normally 30, 40 bucks to a college baseball game, look to pay four to five times more. Hmm. Mm. Let me get the live feed because that's the only way I'll be able to afford to go. But Jim, you talk about high caliber, high quality baseball. You got you got a trip coming up this weekend. I know the the weather has been a factor, but give me an update and tell me what you're looking forward to. Are they still having it? Yeah, they're still having it. Looks like they're going to move it back to Saturday, Sunday, Monday. The biggest problem is specifically for Ole Miss and Mississippi State. It's not necessarily the weather down in Texas. It's up here and their inability to be able to fly out. They want them to not only be able to fly out and get there in time, they want them to be able to have a day of practicing. So they need them to get there at least a day before they play. So it looks like they're still going to play. Um, they're going to make an official announcement tomorrow. And then as far as the play, guys, Texas, Texas Tech, and TCU, man, they got some absolute amazing arms. And so when we're talking about these guys, you know, we had Doug Nikhazy on talking about it. Um, when you look at these arms from Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and Arkansas, we're going to find out because they're going to be matched up against guys of equal caliber talent. So it's going it's to be a showdown. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. I hope you know for your sake the things go off without a hitch. You get to see some really high caliber baseball. Some, some really. Well, do you want to know baseball. what you want to know what Greg James told me, guys? Y'all will love this because Cameron James, man, we've loved him. Right? He he's been our dude. He's gotten the downloads. He comes on here. He talks with us. Greg tells me, Cameron says, I'm so glad I'm going against the best pitchers. And he said, why is that? He said, because when I take them yard, I'll be on Center. My dude. Okay. He better backflip, though, or I don't know him. 
I don't know if he's a bat flipper. We didn't ask him. We asked Hatcher. Well, it should if he's listening to the episodes that he'll know. But but I will say this: I was reading on Globe Life Field. Randy might have known this already. He he's good at knowing stuff like this. It is not a home run friendly park. So I know. Yeah. So <laughs> if they're hitting bombs, they really did well. Let me tell y'all something: an aluminum bat. That's different. It it don't matter. Don't matter. So. We're gonna see. Swing, yeah, we're going we gonna see. That's for sure. All right, guys, let's hit the home stretch, man. Randy, make us rich, bro. So I was doing a little research. Baseball season starting up, and I want to give credit to Mike Ozanian with Forbes because he wrote a great article on MLB teams losing. Uh, the headline: MLB teams lost one billion dollars in 2020 on a 2.5 billion dollar profit swing. So what that means? Scott Boris comes out and says. Don't buy the hype. He says, you know what? Not one single team lost money in 2020. You know, how is this even possible? You don't lose, you don't, you don't lose no money. It's operational losses. This is what Rob Manfred's talking about. 2.8 and $3 billion in operational losses. So you can just imagine we're throwing out billions. Like it's just a word, but that is the future of the game. We've talked about it a lot. Could it be uh, going on for 10, 15 years? Baseball needs fans. They need to be on the road. They don't need to be in a bubble. These sports absolutely will not survive without the gate count and keeping these people employed. So let's hope and pray that that this pandemic is is over. We get some vaccines. Whatever your belief is, we got to have them because billions of dollars are at stake. So what you're saying is if you're a player and you have the opportunity to sign and make your money now, you need to do it. Just in case. Get the bag. Dak Prescott, you need to get the bag, son. That's right. All right, Jim, the football season is over, so I'm interested in your segment. So who are you blowing the whistle on this week? Before I blow the whistle, because I do have one and it is basketball, I got to say something about referees in football, and you will appreciate this as much as anyone. I saw a little highlight package they put together of different Bucks players going and talking to Sarah, um, the referee. I just blanked on her last name. I apologize. Um, but going up and talk to her, it started with Mike Evans going up there to her and telling her how proud they were of her and how much they appreciated her. And for someone like that to have NFL superstars come up and tell you the best things and how much they appreciated it and they were proud of you. I mean, how awesome does that got to feel for her to just vindicate that whole situation, right? And shout out to those Bucks players. I don't like them, but, you know, good for them. Hey, we, we still ain't apologizing for throwing that trophy from one boat to the other. <laughs> I got no issue with it. I think it's funny. Um, but anyway, uh, so I send Randy a Instagram video of LeBron throwing down this vicious dunk. And Randy never hates on LeBron. And he was quick to say, man, screw that. I don't even want to talk about it after what happened in that game. So at that time, I don't know. I didn't watch the Grizzlies game. And then, man, I go to Twitter, and it's everywhere. And this dude put on a flopping showcase in which he got away from – and my favorite was the one on a rebound where he just threw back. And the look on Grayson Allen's face like, are you serious? Like, if Grayson Allen's giving you that look, you know it, right? And so, come on, LeBron. You're better than that. But more so, this is about officials, right? You're better than that. I don't care who he is. 
man, get the call right, especially considering my last blow the whistle was Ja Morant getting smacked upside his head and not getting the call. So let's let's get it right, guys. What about hey, Valanchunas getting dunked on and then Hey, Petty Valanchunas. <laughs> hey, I'll follow the Lithuanian king into the alley any day. That's that boy right. said, get off me. But shout out to Brevin Knight and Pete Pranica for getting on SportsCenter, for calling LeBron out. I know it's hard for BK to do because he's a former player. He never wants to do that. But we got to stop this flopping, man. It's madness, man. LeBron, you're 265 pounds. You're twice the size of Grayson Allen. There's no way his little forearm shiver. Now, if he tripped you, I understand. That's what he does. But no, man, blowing the whistle on LeBron James and Kyle Kuzma, and all they got was a warning. So I'm blowing the whistle on you, NBA. You got to find these plays. I know $5,000 ain't nothing to LeBron, but maybe it'd make him think next time about flopping for Grayson. Look at that. Right. Look at that, Daniel. We got Randy in blowing the whistle. We got a double whistle blow. You know, I, I can appreciate it when it's against, when it's, you know, in favor of supporting the team that I root for. So, you know. <laughs> But at some point, man, you know, it, they got it. You know, he's, he's calling it out. And these superstars, it's not fun anymore, man. We've talked about it with Harden. We talk about LeBron, and, and it's a lot of these guys. And it's just like, man, it gets so old. At what point does it stop becoming a strategic play and start just becoming like, that's fucking stupid? Right. I don't think they'll stop. Do- you know who does it? Who does it? And I, I actually laugh about it when they do it. Dame is so funny. Dame, when he pumps up and pulls it, acts like he's going to pull it. He gets these dudes so high in the air, and he just lunges into them, and he gets them every time. And it's—I guess—I kind of laugh because they still do it. Like he—he he knows that he's got them, he owns them, and he's going to keep doing it until they stop. Well, hey, it's because he will shoot it, and he will make it. So you might as well foul him because it's basically the same thing. Let, let me ask you, going off topic, staying with Dame Daniel, do you pick dude up at half court if he just starts shooting from the logo? No, I mean, you, you... yes, <laughs> yeah. no. he keeps making it, man. Okay, that's why Steph Curry and Dame both shoot that shot because nobody's covering them and they're both making it. Steph Curry, what was it a couple years ago? Me and Jim talked about this. He was hitting that logo at like a 43% clip. You better pick him up. That logo game winner he hit against Oklahoma City, they let him walk right up and take it. And exactly, and that's exactly my point. He's not throwing the ball at the rim. He's shooting a regular shot. So you guys can tell me better than I will know. Picking a man up at half court and guarding them as if they're going to shoot the ball every time, what does that do for your defensive alignment? Anything? Look, you watched enough Tony Allen to know this. When you watched him play against Steph Curry, you saw him pick him up three-quarters court. It, you just got to let those guys behind you got to do their job. They're not playing zone in the NBA. It's man, mano imano. Do your thing, guard your man. And usually every team, maybe they don't have somebody as good as Tony Allen, obviously, but there's usually a defensive presence on the team. There's a guy who will go out there and do it. Look, here's here's what I'm going to tell y'all. I ain't picking that dude up because he'll shoot it in my eye. And I'd rather, <laughs> I'd rather be like, man, I was just – I couldn't guard him. I was He made it because he was open, not because I was guarding him. If he's going to make it either way, then just have it. I feel but, you. All right, so guys, this week my "That's What's Up" award is is a play on with you know the the stonks and what we talked about last week. We talked about an individual, you know, 
taking his winnings of, of his GameStop shares that he sold off and, and buying some, some game consoles from GameStop, investing the money back into the company, but also buying game consoles for a children's hospital. But this man, this man tonight one-upped him. And I'm, I'm going to butcher this name really hard, but I'm going to do my best to get it right. So Chamas Palahaptia took a $115,000 investment, turned it into half a million dollars, and then said, you know what, I don't need it anyway, and donated it all to the Barstool Fund uh, to help support small businesses during during this COVID time. Um, you know, that's unbelievable to me, you know, learning, getting intel, using your own money, making a lot of money, and then saying, you know what, like, I'm going to do something bigger than me and give it all away. Um, so that's, that's awesome. So shout out to Chamath Palahaptia, dude, you're killing it. That's what's up goes to you this week, you know, and before we close, I want to bring, bring us out on, on a little bit of a, a, a sad note. Um, Tampa Bay Buck wide receiver, San Diego Charger wide receiver, Vincent Jackson. I don't know all the details, but passed away uh, this afternoon. So um, pretty somber day, rainy day, just kind of gloomy. And that just adds to the, the sadness. So, um, so shout out to Vincent Jackson. Rest in peace, man. Did a lot of charitable things. Um, you know, military mothers getting baby showers was one of his big things. I do know that. And just... You know, everybody in the in, in the city of Tampa had nothing but nice things to say about him. So uh, rest in peace, Vincent Jackson. And guys, another great episode. I want to thank Reed Flanagan for joining us tonight. If you like hearing us average Joe's talk X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook. Retweet us on Twitter. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, your comments, ratings, and feedback is always welcome. We're going to see everyone next week for episode 24, where we will have Ben Van Cleve, Ole Miss baseball star, on with us. This has been the End Off the Bench podcast. As always, remember, strong bodies, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We're out.